It's time for Bring It Outdoors on B93.3. Brought to you by The Power Lodge, SCR Northern, Thielen Meats, Tracker Boating Center, Vimer Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, SW Bait and Tackle, Oars and Mine Marine in Crosby, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, your Ice Castle dealer in Pine River, Ice Sports Custom Fish Houses, Bermel Shoe Store in Randall, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Now, here's your host for Brain It Outdoors. Brian Moon. And welcome into this week's show. We've got plenty to cover. We're able to get out a little bit now and do some ice fishing. So we're going to talk perch with Brian Brosdahl. Also talk with Jason Durham with Go Fish Guide Service. And he's got some crappie and bluegill tactics for us. Plus, uh, Nate Blazing will drop by. Give us the lowdown here locally what's happening. Speaking of which, we got a recap of the JC's ice fishing extravaganza as well. All that and more on this week's edition of Brainerd Outdoors. And we'll kick the show off with our Lake and Field segment brought to you by Oars and Mine in Crosby. Oars and Mine can set you up with a full line of live bait and tackle, a propane fill, the perfect ice house, and even make informed suggestions on where to drill your holes. Don't hit the Cuyuna Country ice until you hit Oars and Mine on Highway 6 in Crosby. And we're going to kick the show off kind of recapping the last or this past Saturday's JC's ice fishing extravaganza. First off, hats off to the JC's as always. This was the 30th annual and uh what an absolutely great product that they put out each and every year. Everybody seemed to be having so much fun. The weather cooperated. So hats off to the JC's. Everything ran real smooth out there as it always does, and uh, another great event. I want to say January 30th next year is uh, the date for the extravaganza again on Gull Lake's Hole in the Day Bay, so if you want to mark that down on your calendar. Uh, we did get a chance to uh, visit and uh, talk a little bit about with the winner as well as some of the other winners, but I uh, just wanted to give you a recap the top three uh, third place, a 3.07-pound walleye went to Ryan Frayne of Minneapolis. That was good for $1,000 in cash. Second place, 3.58-pound walleye went to uh, Gregory Silky of Monticello, Minnesota. And boy, did Gregory walk away with a nice prize or two or three or four. Uh, not only did he win the four-wheeler, which was good for second place, walleye was the catch of the day, which meant if you bought that $5 sticker, to put onto your ticket, and you caught the biggest walleye. You also walked away with an Ice Castle fish house, a brand new auger, a new flasher. There was a whole bunch of other stuff in there as well. So uh, way to go, Gregory Silky of Monticello. 3.58-pound walleye was good for second place. And then first place, this was interesting. Warren Arnold of Sock Rapids, 8.29-pound eel pout. And we had a chance to uh, talk to Warren, and uh, I will say this, uh, the audio on this is a little sketchy. We were having some mic problems up there, so I do apologize for that. But uh, Warren uh, was pretty interesting, and he was really excited. All right, Warren Arnold, 8.29-pound eel pout. And if I uh, remember, the last time the eel pout won the extravaganza, I believe it was 1996. And I, that was the first year that I ever covered this event for our stations. And I remember the guy that won it had never fished before in his life. Uh, you could tell because he was up here on stage freezing with a trench coat on, jeans, tennis shoes, and no hat. And he caught the fish on a banjo minnow. 
of all things. So, first of all, where are you from? Sock Rapids. Rapids. Okay. Tell me what happened. I mean, how did you catch an 8.29 pound eel pound? Well, I caught it in less than 30 minutes after the start of the tournament. Uh, we were using shiners, and I was dead sticked. And I, I was jigging in another hole. I saw it fall, picked it up, set it, and it was fun. <laughs> Those things can be very fun. And my partner Erica over here, she helped me pull it out of the hole for me. And if she hadn't been there, I probably wouldn't have got it out myself because it was huge. Thing. Once again, it's great to have fishing buddies. Yes, it is, definitely. <laughs> so how deep were you fishing? About eight to nine feet. Have you fished this tournament before? No. So you really kind of didn't have an idea where to go. You just said, well, it, it looks like a good place over there. Well, she helped to find, she was using a, a camera to check the area. And this is actually my first time fishing, first time catching an ice on the ice. So you never ice fished before? No. So that's, I just told the story about the guy in 96 who never ice. What is it with not fishing in an eel pot? I don't get it. Amazing. Well, that's, that's an amazing story. Uh, you never fished before, eight to nine feet of water, and you pull up an 8.29 pound eel pot. Well, that's our winner of the Brainerd JC's Ice Fishing Extravaganza. Give it up for Warren Arnold, 8.29 pound eel pot from Sock Rapids. Congratulations, Warren. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, and once again, I uh, apologize for the poor audio there. That We were just uh, having some technical difficulties on the stage, which uh, always seems to happen when you're out in the elements. Anyway, uh, congratulations again to the JCs for a great event. Congratulations to Warren Arnold of Sock Rapids for winning the event. And uh, congratulations to everybody out there that uh, got on the uh, board. I, I want to say they registered 773 fish for the event this year. And, of course, the first 150 all get prizes. So pretty cool stuff and uh, looking forward to next year already. When we come back, Nate Blazing with SNW Guide Service here in Brainerd's got our local report. He'll let us know what's going on when we come back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Whether it's for fun, sport, or hunting, if you love to shoot, you know it's important to go to a gun shop that has everything you need. That's Freedom Firearms in Brainerd. Freedom Firearms isn't a huge gun shop, which means Russ, the owner, attends to his customers. They carry rifles, shotguns, pistols, suppressors, distance precision rifles, plus ammo and accessories and gunsmithing. Plus, they offer $25 transfer fees. Buy, sign, or trade at Freedom Firearms, two blocks east of the historic water tower between Little Caesars and O'Reilly. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. And Nate Blazing joins us once again. Nate uh, always keeps a close eye on things for us here locally. He is with SNW Guide Service. And uh, we're also going to talk about a DNR roundtable that Nate has been attending this week as well. Welcome back to the show, bud. Hey, thanks, Brian. Uh, good to hear from you again. Yeah, and I guess we'll start off, though, talking about fishing here locally because. You know, we had a bit of a warm-up. I don't know what that's done to our lakes, but uh, is things getting a little easier to get around? Actually, they they have been. You know, we were a little worried about this past snow that we got last weekend, and it wasn't near as bad as we were thinking. Um, yeah, we got some snow, and yeah, there's snow on the lake, but with that being said, if you got four-wheel drive, you're, you're pretty much able to get around or driving on most lakes now. 
Um, so you can still use your ATVs, your snowmobiles. So basically take your choice right now for getting around. So as long as you don't hit one of those banks that maybe a fish house was there and the wind banked it up there, everything else, you're pretty good to go. So not a problem, really. Would that be the same case on some of the smaller lakes that people want to chase some panfish around or that pretty much the same thing? No, I think you're you're pretty decent to go there. Again, the slush isn't as much of a problem around here as it was, and you can still get around. So uh, I was on a little lake over by my house actually Friday during the snowstorm, and you could get around just fine. We're on a snowmobile. There was quite a bit of snow, but you could still get around with the truck if you wanted to. Um, didn't really have any travel issues. So, yeah, it's actually we're going the right direction. just took a little while this year to get there. You know, and usually they call this kind of a tougher time of the year for fishing. It slows down because, you know, January is usually our coldest month of the year, and it kind of sends the fish dormant somewhat. Is that the case? I mean, granted, yes, we've got a warm-up and all that. In this goofy of a winter have we had, do you think maybe that's not going to be the case? It's hard to say, and that's the one thing I love about fishing. As much as I do, as soon as you think you have things figured out, you don't. So... (laughs) The, the one thing I would say this week, the fishing has been probably about the same as it has been. It's not been great. It hasn't been bad. It's just in that middle where you're still catching some fish, enough to keep you busy. It's not lights out, you know, for any of the species. Um, Black's has still been probably your most consistent lake, but I think a lot of that, why the bite has been so kind of uh, not great, is the weather patterns. It's just front after front and again that barometer has a big effect on the fish and that's constantly going up and down and if we could get just some steady weather for a while you know i think that would really make a difference and and get the fish going more consistently but um, again with the way the weather's been i think that's why the main bite's been at your peak times in the morning and the evening at least for walleyes and crappies and so forth so and I know you spend most of your time on Gull Lake, but you always keep a close eye on some of the other lakes like Pelican and Round and North Long, and you even mentioned Mille Lacs. Uh, are you hearing anything different off of those or kind of the same thing? No, for the most part, it's pretty same. Um, talked to some folks up on Pelican here this last week, up on that northwest corner. Um, they're getting a little everything. They're getting a few crappies. They're getting a few walleyes. They're getting a few northerns, and so nothing real consistent or great there. Whitefish has been kind of the same. Um, some smaller walleyes out deeper. You move up shallower on that structure, and you're getting your bigger female fish, like real big ones that we're getting pictures and letting go. Um, so it's been pretty consistent lake to lake. So that's why I think the weather pattern more or less is affecting the fish in general, not you know just one lake's hot, one lake's not right now. So that's good to hear. It sounds like, you know, it's just glad, and I'm sure a lot of people are, Nate, that we're actually able to get out and do a little bit of, even though it's not perfect, at least it's not where we were, say, a month ago. Absolutely. You can't complain about this when you can get outside now and look at the temperatures we're, we're getting right now. So uh, I think no one's going to complain about the conditions right now, considering where we were a couple weeks ago. So now let's talk a little bit about what you're doing uh, this past week and where we're talking to you right now and down at a DNR conference. Um, what is kind of a, a round table type of thing going on. Maybe explain to us what it is you're doing there. Sure. It's, uh, it's an annual event that the DNR holds down in Bloomington and, um, it's kind of a wide range of stakeholders. They cover a whole gamut of, of topics from chronic wasting disease to fishing, which is the main thing I was there for, uh, getting youth involved in the outdoors. That was kind of the theme of the whole event. Uh, the commissioner of uh, the DNR talks, actually, the governor was here last year. He wasn't able to make it this year, so he did a video message for us. 
And then they do breakdown sessions that, again, you can go to the hunting stuff, you can go to the fishing stuff, you can go mining stuff. So, uh, again, I'm attending here on the fishing part of things and for the walleye alliance to kind of promote our reduction in the walleye limit from six down to four. And actually, a little later, we'll have another discussion about that with with a group of stakeholders to get some more input on that. But it's, it's really valuable, you know, getting to hear a lot of very scientific people that know their stuff getting to see their data behind it and then just the networking that that you got here it's it's you know some really awesome smart people in the industry tv personalities a little everything so really fun yeah have you anything that's really caught your eye or some things that have surprised you uh no nothing too earth shattering at this part uh the thing the main takeaway i put i got out of this so far is that the dnr you know, um, and not everyone would agree on this, but I think they really are open to listening. There seems to be more of a change in that uh, lately that if you have a concern, they're not always going to be able to address it and make it, you know, the way you want it, but they'll at least have the conversation, listen to you, and if it makes sense, try and act on that. So a lot of people voice, you know, everyone's got a little different opinions or wants, and so uh, I always think of it for the DNR. It's, it's a pretty hard job to do, especially when you're dealing with game, fish, wildlife, you're kind of playing God as, you know, being a human. There's only so much you can do. And I give them a lot of credit for the limited stuff that's in their ability and the decisions they make. So it's just kind of good to see how they make those decisions. And it's, it's all based off of data for the most part. Yeah, and the one thing I, I'll tip my hat to to them is the fact that they have had a lot of people being rearranged and, and staff that's been slashed. So a lot of people are wearing a lot of hats with the DNR right now. Yeah, and the new administration, it's its very, um, I guess, I've got a lot of confidence in them. Um, they seem to get it. There's some background there that, you know, they put the time in. And, again, they're real people-orientated. So that's where, again, the whole open-door thing, that if you got a concern, commissioner's walking around here, and people just go up to her, and you have your conversation, and she'll stop and listen to you, and you conversate. And that's kind of a really cool thing to get to have that opportunity yeah that's good to hear um nate if people want more information on you where can they get it sure you can go to the website www.snwguideservice.com or you can call up at the bait shop snw bait shop and that is 218-829-7010 that is nate blazing he's with snw guide service and always keeps us updated here on the local report for Brainerd outdoors nate i appreciate it have fun at the rest of the uh, conference down there and we'll talk to you next week sounds good thanks brian more of Brainerd outdoors after this on b93.3 welcome back to Brainerd outdoors on b93.3 and a couple events we want to talk about on our events calendar and one of them is coming up on february 14th through the 16th at the Minneapolis Convention Center, and that is the 2020 National Pheasant Fest and Quail Classic. Uh, Jared Wickland joins us. He's the public relations manager. And, uh, Jared, welcome to Brainerd Outdoors. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about this event because uh, we haven't chatted about it much on the show, but uh, I tell you, pheasant hunters and and bird hunters alike would, would really like to take this in. Yeah, it is. You know, when we talk about uh, the the Super Bowl of events, if you will, for upland hunters, it's National Pheasant Fest and Quail Classic. Um, this uh, this particular event was born in St. Paul, Minnesota, actually, in 2003. 
this will be the fifth time it's returning to the state. And the, the last time we were here, we had uh, just under 31,000 people attend. And it really is a it really is a show for everyone. If you're an upland bird hunter, uh, you know, from guns and gear to dogs, uh, wild game cooking, you can meet with a biologist if you have land and want to learn more. That's one of the things. If you're a kid, uh, we've got the uh, Rudy's Youth Village. You can go in there and shoot BB guns, bows and arrows, carve decoys, a bunch of different things. Uh, and you know it's 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 fun for the whole family, and we've got a lot of new and interesting things this year as well uh, set up for the show, which is going to be great. Yeah, you got the the one thing that we were talking about off air that you wanted to mention that's new this year is that uh, public lands pavilion. Yeah, it's uh, you know the public lands pavilion that really celebrates. Uh, kind of the heart of Minnesota and that I think, you know, people move here because they want to be outdoors. Uh, and a big part of that is back in 2008, Minnesotans decided to tax themselves as part of the legacy amendment uh, to create more public lands, more natural resources, better water quality, those types of things. And uh, the public lands pavilion celebrates that. It's, an, it's a new attraction that features a pretty impressive lineup uh, of the nation's most recognized public lands advocates. So uh, Land Tawny uh, of backcountry hunters and anglers. You've got Sam Soholt of the Public Lands Bus. Um, you've got Ben Jones of the Rough Grouse Society. Just some, some pretty big names coming in to, to talk about all things public lands. Um, I'm going to be on I'm going to be on that stage uh, for one of the times or throughout the weekend, I guess, talking about rough grouse hunting with uh, with Ben Jones and a couple folks from Project Upland, which uh, if you're in the Upland world, a lot of folks have heard of them too. But the neat thing about the Public Lands Pavilion is not only is it a seminar stage, um, but we've got vendors there as well, and 10% of their net proceeds from whatever they sell throughout the weekend are coming back uh, to Pheasants Forever to buy a new public property in the state after the show is done, which is pretty unique in itself. Uh, as far as seminars go, you mentioned those, uh, Jared. Uh, what can people expect when they walk through the doors there? Um, you know, if, uh, if we start on the bird dog stage first, uh, you got seminars all weekend long. Uh, we've got uh, a full-time vet that's coming from the state of Idaho uh, to talk about talk about breeding, talk about bird dog injuries. If you're if you're looking to train your dog at all, uh, we've got I would consider probably the six best trainers in the country uh, that come to this show every year and, and put on some really great seminars for folks to see. Uh, if you're interested in in how to to turn your quarry uh, into a, a great tasting meal for the family, the wild game cooking stage. Uh, we've got four big names coming this year from all over the United States to cook on the stage and, and uh, do some taste testing with folks. Um, to, we've got our habitat stage, anything you want to know uh, about pheasants, quail, um, other upland birds, deer, turkey. We have our biologists on hand that folks can meet with if they want a personalized conservation plan. Um, Doug Doug Dern is a big name in the deer world, uh, and obviously deer do well in CRP. So he's coming over from Wisconsin to, to kind of talk about uh, chronic wasting disease and how to manage for that now that it's on the landscape. So just a lot of interesting things. And the last thing I'll mention uh, is our path to the upland stage. That's new this year as well. It's sponsored by Elps Outdoors uh, and serves basically as a, a platform. If you're, if you're new to hunting or just getting into it and you want to learn about how to become involved, uh, that's that's the stage to get you into upland hunting. And one other thing I see that's on the roster is pollinator experts. What's that all about? Yeah, so, uh, you know, 
great pollinator habitat is excellent habitat uh, for pheasants and quail and all sorts of other creatures. So back by popular demand, we've got uh, the Pollinator Plaza uh, that's got a seminar schedule as well. Um, and basically anything you want to learn about pollinators and kind of how they relate to pheasants and quail, you know, a lot of people don't realize that for the first several weeks of life, for several months of life, um, anyways, um, you know, pheasant and quail chicks require 100% soft-bodied insects for, for protein to grow. Uh, it's a very important uh, concept uh, for upland hunters. If, if you're looking to create pheasant habitat, having good pollinator habitat um, to grow not only pheasants and quail, but, um, you know, birds and bees and bats and everything else uh, use it as well. So it's, uh, it's going to be a pretty, pretty cool seminar lineup. So looking forward to all of those. And, you know, just on a broader spectrum, Jared, with Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever, uh, you get to talk to a lot of hunters. Is there concern a little bit about uh, the diminishing habitat and all of that like they're having to deal with in North and South Dakota? Yep, you know, there certainly is, and you mentioned some of those are the big ones. Uh, South Dakota, obviously, is is the pheasant capital. North Dakota, uh, it wasn't that long ago we had some really, really good pheasant hunting. In some cases, there really is still good pheasant hunting in, in many places throughout the Midwest. But the loss of habitat is a problem. North Dakota, for instance, is not immune to it. They went from 3 million acres enrolled in grasslands down to 1.5 million acres, and, and their, uh, their their bird bird harvest dropped with that as well. So, but... The, the nice thing is that right now uh, we've got 8 million acres of opportunity with the Conservation Reserve Program sign-up. So if anybody uh, if anybody's looking at uh, taking their low production acres and putting them into a, a, a program, uh, we can help you with that at National Pheasant Fest and Quail Classic. And, um, you know, I've heard a lot of reports. Uh, by all means, I think Minnesota hunting was actually pretty decent this year, despite uh, the 17% downward trend for roadside counts uh, but people saw a lot of birds there's a lot of birds out on the roadside right now which isn't necessarily a good thing with all the snow that we have but um, they've had a nice uh, warming trend here for about two three weeks and it looks like it's going to be 40 degrees this upcoming weekend and um, if you want to learn more about how to sustain pheasants well into the future national pheasant fest and quail classic is the place to be there you go it's going to be a lot of fun bring the whole family too right Yep, for sure, for sure. Um, anything for, you know, mom and dad and the kids, there's something for everybody to see at the show. And if you're interested in, in some big fundraising banquets, Friday and Saturday night, we've got those as well with a few tickets still available. So if people want more information or want tickets, uh, Jared, what is the best way to get that? Yeah, the best way to, to look at the show, uh, tickets, um, information in general, is to visit www.pheasantfest.com. Org. Um, it, the show runs Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, February 14th through the 16th, and uh, it's just going to be a, a great event that's coming back to Minnesota for the fifth time. Pheasantsfest.org or pheasantfest.org is where you want to go. And once again, it comes up, as uh, Jared mentioned, February 14th through the 16th at the Minneapolis Convention Center, noon to 7 on Friday, 9 to 6 Saturday, 9 to 4 on that Sunday. I'm hoping to get down there myself and, and check it out, Jared. I appreciate you taking the time, and uh, hopefully we'll see you soon. Looking forward to it. Thank you. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. And another event that we wanted to cover and something I'm actually going to be taking part in, and that is the uh, Sunny Zwilling Memorial Ice Fest Ice Carousel Extravaganza. And that's coming up uh, next weekend, February 8th and 9th. 
10 until 6 each day at Green Prairie Fish Lake in Little Falls. Chuck's Willing joins us right now. How you doing, Chuck? Doing good. So looking forward to this event. Uh, for those that have maybe, you know, haven't heard of it before or haven't taken it in, uh, what's it all about? Uh, basically, it is a an event put on by Pay It Forward Foundation, which is a 501c3 nonprofit. Um, and it's an event that we do to raise money for uh, kids that run the risk of not eating over the weekend and or family in need. So Fire Pride Pack uh, gets the majority of the um, funds, and they send uh, backpack food home with kids that are elementary age and make sure they got something to eat over the weekend. We're going to get into some of the events that are taking place because there's a lot of them and it's going to be a lot of fun down there, a family-friendly event uh, that is free. Well, maybe a little history, Chuck, on the event itself because you guys have been doing this a little while. Sure, yep, yeah. So the history behind it, it started uh, back in, I think it was 2017. I'm from a family of 13 kids, so when we have Christmas, it's uh, chaos, you know, there's 80 or 90 people there. So then about 15 years ago, we started what we call adult Christmas, which is just my siblings and their significant others. And we usually do it about two weeks after Christmas, and we just rotate to somebody's house and play cards and talk smart and have a good time. And then uh, it had rotated to my house in 2017, and I had seen a video of an ice carousel on YouTube, which ice carousel would take a chainsaw on the lake, cut a circle, and make it spin. And, you know, I thought we were raised as logging and sawmill people. That's what our dad did for a living. So all of us kids, you know, pretty much own a chainsaw and or know how to use one. So I thought, well, instead of having the Christmas party in my house, we're going to have it out on the lake and we'll try this little concept. So we did a little 54-foot carousel that first year. And we just started, you know, we stuck a pole in the middle and drew a crude circle and took chainsaws and cut it out. And a couple hours later, we had it. We had it spinning. So that was the first year. So then the second year, you know, nobody had really talked about anything. And at Thanksgiving, I just asked, should we, you know, should we do this again? Are people up for doing this again? It's kind of fun. And they said, sure, whatever. We don't care. And then I said, well, if we're going to do it, we should go for a world record. And they're like, okay, you know, whatever. <laughs> and then, uh, so Finland had just done 100 meters. And so I said, okay, well, we're going to try it for 111 meters. That's like 300 and... I don't remember, 366 feet, I think it was. And uh, so then about 10 days before the event, uh, my daughter, who's my business partner, uh, Becca Ruggemer, her and I do a lot of things to um, benefit the needy. We do like building Children's Miracle Network, and you know we donate a part of our commission to that, and we do baseball for babies and trees, trees for toys, and so a bu- bunch of events like that. So all of a sudden we thought, well, wait a minute. You know, we were gathering a little bit of attention, not intentionally, but it was just happening. And then we said we should tie a charity to it. So that's how Fire Pride Pack came into it. So that first year, we, you know, we struggled like crazy, you know, got it to work the next day instead of Saturday, got it to, got it to move on Sunday, and we raised like 4300 bucks. And that was all like within 10 days before the event because we didn't even come up with the idea until the last minute. So then the next year, which was last year, um, I took lots of time planning it, and we made it into, you know, a whole a whole weekend of activities, and we ended up donating sixteen thousand five hundred dollars um, from donations from you know people that came out that day to companies to service service groups um, we had great great participation and the world record attempt for the largest ice carousel 
Is that going to be happening? Because I know you guys have had to move this event. It was originally scheduled for uh, January 11th and 12th, and obviously having to deal with ice issues. We know all about that. Uh, now that it's yeah. February 8th and 9th, is that still on the on the docket? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yep, we got plenty of ice out there. I was out there cutting yesterday, so um, we got plenty of ice. We cut one of the, we call them the baby circles. Last year, the big circle had four little circles in it. Uh, they were only 45 feet, but this year we're going to have two uh, 200-foot circles inside the big circle. So there's plenty of ice. There's 17 inches, probably 10 inches of steel ice, and then you got seven or eight inch additional inches of not so good, not quite as good of ice, but plenty, plenty strong enough. Nice. So let's talk about some of the events that are going to be happening out there, uh, Chuck, and one of them that I'm already looking forward to as I look at uh, some of the things there is the uh, dog sledding that you've got with Grove Trotter Kennels out there. Um, this is something to be a lot of fun. Yeah, yep. We've tried the dog sledding. Um, I've tried to get somebody last year too, but just they're all out racing, of course, so nobody's available. But, yeah, we were lucky enough to get to uh, this year to get a gentleman um, out of Meyer Grove, Linus Meyer, that, is going to come out and give kids some rides and dog sleds. And you've also got uh, some ice fishing that's going to be taking place as well? Yeah, yep. We've got actually a 2019 Hall of Fame fisherman, uh, J.R. Hooper, and his friend Cindy are going to be out there, and they're going to be, you know, helping kids along, doing a little fishing. You know, he loves the apparently the technology side of it, so he'll be showing them a bunch of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, they'll be out there, and then we've got some spear fishing. A spear fishing demo will be going on. Um, kind of showing people what that's like. We've got an igloo already three-quarter of the way built. She'll finish that up. The gal from Curves has built a big igloo both years, so that's already in the works. Um, yeah, there's going to be curling, figure skating. Uh, Crowing County Dive and Rescue Team is going to be out there, and they're thinking what might be kind of fun for the kids is to put an underwater drone under the ice and have them look around and see see what they all run into. Striders in the snow is being put on by tour right right out of little falls there um that'll be just it's basically bicycles on skis so we're hoping to to take a little plow or something and make a little hill out there so that they can they can uh ski down that little something for everybody which is pretty amazing and once again it's a free family friendly weekend of events and it raised funds for hungry children as well uh chuck if people want more information on the event how can they get that uh, the best place is to go to www.mnicefest.com, M as, MN as in Minnesota, icefest.com, and that'll take them to our Facebook page. Um, it's the Sunny's Willing Memorial Ice Carousel Extravaganza. So pretty easy to find. If you just type in large ice carousels, you'll find it. There you go. Quickly. There's lots of publicity out there. I just realized you asked me about Finland earlier, so I'll back my story up a little bit. So after we had done it that first year, then uh, the guy from Finland who created what's called the World Ice Carousel Association, he asked, he invited our whole family to come out and be judges at the first ever uh, ice carousel championships. Well, of course, the whole family couldn't go, so uh, my wife and I went out there and they let us be honorary judges. <laughs> so I went to Finland, helped them break my record, which at the time was 111 meters. Finland did 122, and then... Uh, then after that, I went to Maine and helped them do 130 meters. And then last year, we did 154 meters. And now a different place in Finland did, how many was it, 184 meters. And the guys from Quebec did 209 meters. 
And the guys from Finland and the guys from Quebec will both be in attendance over the weekend. They're going to be here, the former world record holders. So, well, the current world record holder. And then Yanni had, has had the world record probably three or four times. There's a lot of things that are going to be happening out there, and I'm looking forward to it. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be broadcasting live here on B93.3 out there February 8th. Uh, that's Saturday from 11 until 2, so we invite you to join us out there. We're going to be just kind of wandering around the ice and taking in all the great events. And uh, once again, if you need more information, mnicefest.com. Chuck, anything else you want to mention while we still got you here? Uh, the last thing I might throw in there is that there is a raffle going on. There are 10 bucks a raffle ticket. It's kind of like donating money, but you get a chance to win a uh, children's ATV or a flip-over fish house or a weekend hot tub rental, a, a balloon, cold air balloon, or hot air balloon ride. So we've got a few things on a raffle also, so people can buy them earlier if they want to. Actually, there's some tickets in Brainerd at Power Lodge. Those guys I know have tickets. But then obviously that weekend they can people can buy, buy uh, raffle tickets also. There you go. That's the Sunny Zwilling Memorial Ice Carousel Extravaganza, uh, otherwise known as Ice Fest. Ice Fest, uh, benefiting Flyer Pride Pack and families in need, and it's down at Green Prairie Fish Lake in Little Falls next weekend, February 8th and 9th, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Chuck, I appreciate taking the time to talk to us. I will see you out on the ice uh, next Saturday, and uh, looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Sounds good. We appreciate it. And that'll wrap up this week's show. Don't forget, you can catch Brainerd Outdoors just after 7, Saturday mornings, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5 right here on B93.3. You can also stream the show live if you're out of town or away from your radio, BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com. Just click on the Listen Live tab, and wherever you download your favorite podcast, you can get us that way too. Just search Brainerd Outdoors. We'll see you next weekend for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors. I'm Brian Moon. Brainerd Outdoors has been brought to you by The Power Lodge, SCR Northern, Thielen Meats, Tracker Boating Center, Vimer Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, S&W Bait and Tackle, Oars and Mine Marine in Crosby, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, your ice castle dealer in Pine River, Ice Sports Custom Fish Houses, Bermel Shoe Store in Randall, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Join Brian Moon Saturday mornings at 7, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5 right here on B93.3.